Hey, it's Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast, a, a podcast where we talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, except for the times when we talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, which is <laughs> right now. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, what is this, episode episode four, Moist Vessel. In this episode, the, the 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 vessel does in fact get too moist. There is a direct reference to the humidity, like going off Fair. the charts. Almost they find almost a like, Genesis device, though. Are, are we not burying the lead on that? Yeah, I mean it's it's an alien version of the Genesis device. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. But it's uh, it's a direct call out to uh, to to the um, to the. It's basically they're describing the Genesis effect, right? Sure. They're like. Okay. This device is used to go to a planet, and then you terraform it with all this juice, and it's just a alien ship filled with alien terraforming juice. Um, it's a big enough ship that it requires two vessels to pull it, right? So we've two got vessels. West, mm, still, two, I need two another, vessels. Need another run of that. I need another run at that. Two, okay. two, two, two. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> two vessels. Vessel, vessel. Yeah, my Chekhov's not great. Nope, nope. But I appreciate the times at bat there, Paul. That was uh, that yeah. Was I mean, I think I I did strike out on it, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, it's just a hard W at this point, isn't it? I isn't, think so. Isn't, isn't the substitution of the V for the W? It's it's because if you're thinking about like starting, you know, Trek that's 4, what I was swinging at. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Nuclear vessels. You know, that's that's what we're looking for. So now uh-huh. there there are. Two I vessels. did. I did give you grief for the Scrooge McDuff. So, so I think this is this is payback for that. So, yep, yep, karma, my friend, karma. So, um, <laughs> this is an interesting episode for for a couple of reasons. It's um, it's another episode where we kind of have like um some splitting off happening uh, of of the lower decks crew right and and like as much as i love the main plot of this device uh, the, the main plot device of this episode i have to say that like my favorite part of this episode is just all the tendy stuff really so i was thinking that i thought this was kind of one of the weaker b plots um so I, far I, I'm about it because what i what i love about it is like it's very much in service of setting up tendy as a character sure and it made me like her a bunch just because it's like it's sort of we haven't had a character quite like this um, in Star Trek since Reginald Barkley. Right. Sure. Who's, who's I think I think Tendi is a much more charismatic version of Reginald Barkley. But at the end of the day, most of her angst comes from like, I just want people to like me. And she's just trying. really. I think that's really a very hard. charitable read on Barkley. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. You can get into a lot about uh, Reg Barkley. I mean, you know, c- creating holodeck duplicates of your uh, of your cohorts and and then you know using them as digital playthings. Sure, that that's probably a little bit more problematic than some of the stuff that Tendi is demonstrating here, which is largely just you know nervousness and generalized yeah. anxiety, right? Which is just. <laughs> I, I, I think it is. I think it is a good B plot. I just think that in this one, I'm more. I'm more excited about the A plot. Maybe it's a way to say it because it's well, not to say I dislike the B plot. Maybe 
it but. was it was the description of what happened so so the the b plot is like tendy uh basically like making an enemy on the ship inadvertently yeah uh because In something she, she's very excited by right she's super yes. excited to go and do this thing and then she accidentally turns this into a, a place where she makes an enemy yeah well and i was on board with this as a thing because like she's she's describing it to rutherford as like so i'm gonna go do this thing and i'm gonna go see a transcendence it's gonna be great and and he's like well what's that and then she kind of describes it and then he says oh like being a q or like the traveler uh, or, well he says or a or a the traveler or a the um, traveler <laughs> which yeah. i thought was a great line too and um, her response is great where she's like no 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 it's just more like studying for the test so much that you actually become, become the, the test, test. yeah <laughs> And that's such a front row kid response to like oh, this yeah, whole yeah, thing fair. that I just, I don't know, for whatever reason in this episode, almost, I just, I mean, I, I would pitch that it's almost more West than, than Barkley. Yeah. But Wes was never really that socially awkward. Like he was able to okay. interact with, he, he, yeah. he interacted with his peers just fine. It's just that he got dismissed because he was a kid, but it's, it's not for anything that he did. It was just be, purely because of his age. Right. They're yeah. Okay. Like, that's fair. You know, Tendi is is swinging out there, and it's just that she's swinging at everything, and she's swinging way too hard. And and like the part where she knocks over the ceremonial gong into the sand mandala, like oh, as yeah. he's in the middle of supposedly transcending. I love I love their interactions with the replicator because she immediately goes over to it, and when she says like colorful sand room temperature, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Yeah, if you were on a ship and you had replicators all the time, you'd be you'd know that you could use it for everything, but you'd also be precise about these sorts of things too. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I just love their interactions <laughs> with the replicator. <laughs> but the, uh, the the a plot is is uh, you know obviously the danger to the ship r- rather than you know the danger to uh, Tendi's you know social status on the ship, and and a lot of that um, it's intertwined with more about Mariner as a character, right? Because uh, we start to learn why Mariner is part of the lower decks gang. And it's not for lack of ability or competence, which is something that they've kind of shown us throughout the last bunch of episodes, but she actively like is not only avoiding it, but, but actively disdains the idea of being part of that circle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is a very Boimler light Rutherford light episode. Yeah. Um, Boimler's kind of there in the background of the A plot and Rutherford's kind of their background B, but, um, yeah, it's a great, like Mariner Tendi plot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I, I love the idea that to, <laughs> to, to punish, um, you know, to, to punish Mariner, uh, they give her everything that Boimler is after. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. That... Well, I love the, the decision-making that comes along with that where, um, the captain is talking to Ransom uh, and like, what, what things doesn't she like? And he's like, just sitting on a chair, looking at his reflection, like flexing. And like, (laughs) that's the idea of like, Oh, it's, it's this, it's like having to deal with you essentially. Um, And then all the things that go along with it, which I think is a montage is a, just a great, like all the things she has to do. Right. Well, and they do, yeah, they do um, give us a little bit of insight into what the quote unquote worst jobs on the ship are, right? Because well, they yeah, go through. Yeah, we're jumping over the part where like, yeah, she gets the worst jobs first and then she gets the quote unquote best jobs. So we just breezed over the worst jobs. Well, there's, I believe there's that scene where she's on top of the turbo lift. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> 
<laughs> and like she's just like there's like hot fluid shooting out of it and stuff and then all of a sudden somebody like goes to use it and she's like hey i'm working up here well it's um what's his name it's the bajoran uh what is his name oh yeah i, I always want to call him Shax, but that's a that's a that's almost thing. what i called him too and it's got to be <laughs> close to that then huh yeah. um in any case he in, in very much like building his character, he, there's a sign over the, the turbo lift door that says, like, Ensign at work or something, and he just swats it away. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, of course he's not going to pay attention to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, I mean, and what's funny is, you know, I mean, like, they have a conversation before she goes to do this montage <laughs> where... You know, Boimler's like, ooh, all the worst jobs on the ship. Like, what'd you do? You know, um, and, and I, I have one question because we have, you know, we have that scene where after she does, I think she does a turbo lift job first and then she goes to do the holodeck job. What is it that she's pulling out of the holodeck that stinks so bad? <laughs> like, what, well, what I is think that? they uh, I think they talk about that. Is that all the like just <laughs> waste like bio waste? I believe that is the read. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> And I, what I love about that is they have incorporated something that most people who are longtime fans of Star Trek have, have talked about for a long time. And in fact, I believe there's even papers written about the idea of like, <laughs> what happens if you create a perfect simulation of reality? Like I mean, there's a will. Futurama episode about that, right? With starring yep. Lucy Liu. Yep, yep. And, and like they just you know like many things in Lower Decks, they a hundred percent lean into the thing that is just like kind of always been there but they never really talked about it at least here they're willing to like you know wink and nudge yeah. at the thing that everybody's like oh yeah that, that's what a holodeck's for and then the uh well the carbon filters and i think boimler is the one who summarizes it there he says um you have to scrape carbon off of slightly harder carbon <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh but then when she's doing it like it kind of does look fun right it's one of those satisfying tasks where you just have to like it's like power washing a deck or something, you know? It's ex it's it's pretty much exactly that, where you just have yeah. to sweep a beam over an area, and then that that part is clean. Um, and of course, you could race that, um, which is what it turns into very quickly, which mm -hmm. is, is mm -hmm. the end of that first arc with the quote-unquote bad jobs, because Ransom sees her having fun with these bad jobs. Yes, yep. And so then the decision is made that instead a true punishment for for Mariner is to promote her to to the senior command staff. So she has to sit in all those meetings with all those insufferable people. <laughs> Report to ops for review of scheduled ops. <laughs> i think that's there's so many different like references to ops like in oh, this show yeah. <laughs> which i love that they've made that a punching bag because like wasn't it the first episode where they're like actually i'm pretty sure like half of this ship is ops like <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah and then she has to report to executive poker um she gets to do the audit but then when she finishes she has to audit the audit um oh my god yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm forgetting what else goes on in those, but I think the poker scene is is so good because it's such a send up of. I mean, TNG played with poker so much, right? Yeah, uh, and to great effect. Um, but this is that like read of it. Well, what if everybody was kind of bad at it? Like, what if you didn't have data there? Like, what if you didn't have Worf there? Um, and everybody was just kind of bad at poker. This is what it would look like. Well, and I think it's a good deconstruction of of next generation's poker scenes, right? Because what they were what they were meant to do, I think, in TNG was to remind you that these people are people, yeah. you know, right? Like yep. to to give them an opportunity to 
um, to kind of, you know, figuratively, you know, unwind a little bit and enjoy each other as like, you know, friends, colleagues, rather than just like, you know, co-officers. And and what I love about what they did with this in, in this episode of Lower Decks is they turned it into this like awful forced ritual. <laughs> You know, it's like instead of instead of being about friendship and just like, you know, bonding with some people that you genuinely like care about. What if you were all just forced to be here and everybody sucked at it? But it was a thing that you did because it was like, well, you have to do it. Well, even when she tries to go all in with nothing, they're like, no, you can't even do that. Like, this is a friendly game. That's not what we do here. Um, As everyone folds around her. But (laughs) I also can I can I rewind real quick and just say like one of my favorite like visual gags in the entire episode is like right away when she's uh, getting pulled into the conference room to um, you know to to be seated with the senior staff and sit through one of her first you know briefings. Um, Boimler's in the background squeegeeing the windows. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that's the full arc of the episode, right? It's the the resolution at the end. Um, the idea that like Boimler wants this job because the replicator program in that conference room is better, it has better food than the replicator they, program they have. So right. if he does all these like jobs cleaning up the conference room, he gets to like make himself lobster or whatever mm-hmm. um, that they can't replicate down uh, at his replicator, one would suspect. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having Boimler there for, for the pinning ceremony essentially is yeah. a, a great great character have in the back yeah for so many reasons well and this um you know this episode has what i appreciate about lower decks as well is that they are able to incorporate uh plots um that feel like they would be at home in a tng episode right like i can 100 percent see like the main meat of this plot like the sh- the ancient ship that they've found you know, trying to salvage that technology. It's just that like, it's always from the perspective of the enterprise would warp away from this and they would like signal fleet command to pull some tugs in, you know, to like, to pull this back to a star base. Hello, here are the tugs. Yeah. These are the tugs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) These are the two ships. I do love this as a, right. This is a low hanging fruit from a sci-fi perspective of a, of a giant generation ship, an ancient generation ship, right? That's like super cool. Um, and it's immediately like, wow, they found an ancient generation ship. Like, that's awesome. Like, and getting to just see that on screen and be, and, and to have their ship dwarfed by it as well. Um, it's just like cool sci-fi visuals. Um, the Merced is, um, I mean, ship corner, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure you're going to tell me if it's a, uh, if it's a sister ship or if it is a different class of ship to the um, Cerritos. Oh, I took it as a hundred percent that they are both California class vessels. Okay. That it, there was a, that they were, they are side by side. They are pretty much indistinguishable. So, okay. Um, yeah. The, the, the Cerritos and the, and the Merced, I think were, were both of the same class, which I also loved that they did that because that sort of, um, they they almost they establish with visual language that these two ships are doing this job because this yeah. is just the kind of jobs that they do. But then also like the captain of the Merced like being competitive in the mundane yeah. task of pulling this thing <laughs> back to a starbase. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was great because like I, I they're they're really like I think one of the things that you can always sort of like criticize TNG era stuff for is that supposedly at that period of time starfleet was this massive you know organization the the federation had ballooned in size to incorporate all these planets and like 
they're not all the enterprise, right? They're not all going to be out there exploring brave new worlds, seeking out new civilizations. And what I love is like the idea that like nobody gets into Starfleet to tug a, a thing back to a star base, right? Yep. You want to be out there finding stuff. And so when that mundane part of like doing the milk run sets in, I just love the idea that the captain of the Merced is like, well, maybe if I just uh, show <laughs> maybe my efficiency, just, oh, like you know, 10 more percent, if I pull a little harder, you know, well, maybe I'm going to get promoted you know? i did just look it up on um memory alpha it is a california class but what it got him in the end is the status of his ship as wrecked <laughs> uh-huh. that is the official status on memory alpha wrecked as of 2380 so yeah. well because he was um he, he he the reason why their ship was in trouble is because like in order to like you know kind of get one up over the cerritos he like pulled in too close yep. right like, like was... loosened a panel or something yes yep so because of that, their ship had all the terraforming goo shot on it first, basically. Um, and so they, you know, that ship didn't make it. <laughs> so and, and you know, then there was a nice like they're able to really like, I think, deftly weave between like action set pieces and comedy set pieces pretty well. Because For sure. Like the uh, the conclusion of the episode was pretty good. Like it was actually like satisfying in a Star Trek way, not just like a, um, you know, a, a comedy series way. Um, and, and I like that, that they've been able to do that a couple of times. I feel like, I feel like this is a demonstration, like this episode, Moist Vessel is sort of finding its footing. Like it was pretty confident in all of the things that it set out to do. And I felt like executed most of them pretty, pretty well. You know, I like the arc with, um, Beckett and the captain, right. Um, which is that, that final arc of, um, that kind of, I mean, it's only probably what, five, six minutes, um, of airtime but really does a lot with those five, six minutes of like first, like criticizing the rock that she's using to hit other rocks with um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to like criticizing how, how, how to swing down a vine or whatever um, yep. to then finally being like, Oh, like that is exactly what I would do when they come up with a solution of like pumping some sort of uh, gas. I forget what the actual solution is, um, but, but pumping some sort of gas in there to, to fix everything. Yep. I also, after the after the conclusion of this uh, particular disaster, um, I also love the the scene in the in the captain's quarters with the visiting admiral who doesn't know how to oh, pronounce yeah, sensors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he mispronounces something else pretty obviously too, and I, um, I can't remember what it is. It's um, uh, was it, but but was yeah, it pen. I, I, no, it was something. It was something else. Like it was even more of a mispronunciation. Oh, than... uh, fun. He said "fwown." Is oh, what yeah, memory yeah. alpha says. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and it's just, um, it, just the the obvious like butt kissery that happens to you know captains oh, yeah, on yeah. on you know pretty lame assignments to admirals and and playing with that admiral trope again, right? That apparently all admirals in Starfleet are either plotting evil plots or just blowhards who think way too much of themselves and um you know this kind of continues that as well so or they're um, uh aliens like that one episode of tng where they make them eat worms or whatever right yeah exactly <laughs> let, let us always reference the uh the season one episode where <laughs> everyone ate worms <laughs> and then inside their belly were weird like oh man that's just such a weird episode yeah. um yeah and i like the i like the wrap of uh Tendi's arc too right um again i i think 
to me, I think it was the weaker of the two arcs, but I do like that whole arc of, um, what was his name? Was it, uh, O'Connor, was that his name? I think that sounds about right, yeah. Uh, let's call him that regardless. Yeah, O'Connor, I, O'Connor, yep. Um, of her trying to, like, help him, help him, and then eventually they're, like, just stuck uh, down... Uh, in in this ship that is being terraformed and like trying to swim their way to different places and then um yeah he gets crushed by a rock and it's like okay um just as they're kind of coming up with a solution to uh to hit the ship with gas um but then he's the he does ascend um <laughs> in a bizarre sequence yes Yes. Well, and, and yeah, I just, <laughs> I just love the conclusion. Like, doesn't he say like when he starts to ascend, doesn't he say something like, Oh crap now, you know, like yeah. <laughs> he's like caught by surprise. By it. <laughs> yeah. And then it starts to become more and more painful and uh, more and more, <laughs> more and more, more emotionally and, and physically painful, but God, I want, yeah, I want to reverse it. Can I not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forget all the lines he says. He had some good lines in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. As he begins to like, you know, become nothingness, basically he's, like he, he starts talking about like the infinite and like all that stuff and how yeah, everything's on the back of a koala um. <laughs> yeah. it's pretty great that's pretty great um yeah i i really i really liked this episode i really liked you know kind of all the different directions that it went um i i just i feel like i'm continually amazed by how much they're able to do in such a short amount of time um it's why almost like each of these episodes i feel like i have to go back and watch again because it's like it it moves at such a pace oh, yeah, that it's yeah. like i know i'm missing stuff yeah i watched this a few times so um since i'm not watching ahead i only have these episodes to watch so it's like i'll just watch this one again but um yeah. it, it kind of goes to a point earlier actually before we started recording we were talking about like memory alpha for um for these episodes it's just like long um and the fact that like memory alpha is just full of information about these episodes kind of speaks to how much information is in these episodes. Yep. Um, yep. Like, especially as someone who is kind of constantly looking at TOS memory alpha pages that are like maybe a third of this in terms of information, um, half, maybe generously. Um, yeah. There's just a lot packed into these things. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, this episode kind of, again, reinforces the whole idea of like, you know, Mariner, she winds up, you know, back, back with the crew, back with just the single ensigns pip, um, yep. you know, sort of. And, where, the, where she... and the card that lets her make the better replication stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, Boimler can sneak in whenever he wants and, and get get the good stuff. You know, Looking at Memory Alpha, it it did remind me of the one uh, Rutherford line that's in there that I really did love. It's way back at the beginning of the episode. Is he gets his, uh, you know, his duty roster, his his uh, assignments, um, and he says that, uh, oh well, ah, I have to monitor power fluctuations in the tractor beam. I wanted to monitor power fluctuations in the impulse relays. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, he... so much in his character right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, yeah the god i'm looking at the quote right here where it's like you're, we're talking about the admiral bassery or whatever it's like is this how your crew treats authority when it's known i mispronounce things are you really making foul of me <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah this was a good one and i feel like um you know talking about there, there's a really good replicator gag in the next episode that we're going to talk about as well so um i'm kind of excited to talk about that as a sneak preview of, of the next episode. But um, 
I, I feel like these are getting better and better, Paul. Like I, I'm really, I'm really excited about where this series is going. I hope oh, we wow. can continue on this. Path. Hold on, stop the show. I was okay. checking in on who voiced Vassery because I was like, you know, they've been getting some good voice talent in there, and maybe they got somebody good for Vassery. Vassery is just Fred Descatori, who does great works as Shax, um, <laughs> right on Shax. Um, so it's just Shax doing another voice. But O'Connor is voiced by Haley Joel Osment. Oh, really? <laughs> so, wow. so there you go. That's um, okay. I I don't think I ever would have uh, would have guessed that. Would not so. have pinned that one in the slightest. But <laughs> Haley Joel Osment <laughs> is officially part of the Star Trek extended family. Thanks wow. To Lower Decks. How about that? <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen. Like, obviously, I, what's weird is like he's a child actor. So yeah, that's a trick. Him. You really only know him from his child stuff. I mean, but yeah, yeah, weird. weird yeah, he's weird. O'Connor. Wow. Yeah. He, I mean, it was good voice work. I, he was a very compelling character. He was. Did he I jump? really would love for him to come back at some point too. You know, because now well, he's ascended, right? He's yeah. Yeah, he's he's got to tell us what he found on on the universe's back that is also a koala. You know, exactly. Right? He's got he's got some profound things that he. But needs I to love know. I love that there's he's out there. You know, yeah. that's the trick. He's out there. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, well, I think that's going to do it for um, this episode of Hi-Fi Sci-Fi. Uh, again, we were talking about uh, the fourth episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks, Moist Vessel. Uh, we'll be back next time when we talk about episode five, um, which is Cupid's Errant Arrow. Um, in the meantime, you can get in touch with us if you just go to our website, hi-fi-sci-fi-podcast.com, all one word. Or if you uh, if you go there, you can also find our social media channels as well. Um and find us wherever you get your podcasts. I, I think we are probably overdue for a, a visual refresh of the website. So uh, at some point, we'll probably try to get that out there as well. Yeah. We're, we're working our way towards relaunching uh, the main series uh, when we get back to TNG and talking about season three. But but I'm having fun with Lower Decks so far. And we do have a, th- a new theme, right, for the last few episodes, which will continue. Yes. And thanks uh, again, Chelsea, my, my co-host from, um, from 3D Beam Up, which you should also be listening to. Um, wonderful theme i guess you already i mean if you're listening to this you already heard it so you know that's right i guess go listen to it again or and it, i guess and just you, listen to our next episode it's on there too so if you also can't get enough of paul and myself um you can also listen to our other podcast where we talk about video games it's sort of a video game book club podcast where we talk about the video games we somehow missed i think very soon like if not right when this episode posts uh perhaps shortly thereafter uh the second part of our epic two-parter about earthbound uh we'll be posting the snes classic um so yeah check that out as well um you can find us on twitter as well all that good stuff basically just go check out the website it's all there uh hi-fi sci-fi podcast.com until next time i'm bernsey and i'm paul and we will see you at the next generational ship that is filled with goo (laughs) that terraforms a planet because reasons they never said what the goo was right terraform juice yeah terraform juice good enough don't dwell on it Just don't think about it.